1: Stakes Lowdown, a RotoViz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. This week I'm talking with Mike Foresta, a high stakes player that has a top 10 team in the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship. That contest will pay out nearly $4 million in prizes including a half million dollars to first place alone. In this episode, we discuss why he was willing to draft Damian Harris earlier than others, why he wanted two elite quarterbacks fairly early in his draft, why he tries to be proactive early on waivers, and much more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a Lister's Only 10% discount to RotoBiz by using the code rv radio 2021 that's rv radio 2021 your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the road content and tools and it supports the podcast channel now without further ado here is the owner of a top 10 team in the 2021 football guys players championship mike foresta We are on to week eight, uh, week seven. I'm already looking way too far ahead. We're on to week seven with six teams on by. How do you handle all those waiver situations? Well, hopefully we have some advice here from one of the uh, experts of the road of his High Stakes lowdown a guy who's been on this show multiple times and a guy who's in ninth place overall in the Football Guys Players Championship in the chase for a half million dollars grand prize. Uh, it's Mike Foresta. Mike, welcome back to the program, man. Well, thanks so much, Eric. Great to be here. I uh, want to congratulate you on the ninth place team, obviously, as as we, uh, you know, we're a month half in. That's that's a good accomplishment. You drafted in this league, maybe the fantasy MVP so far in high stakes fantasy football, really any fantasy football. It's Cooper Cup. 507 is where you get him. The seventh pick of the fifth round, myself included. What did so many fantasy players miss on with Cooper Cup this year? Why did we let him slip so far? And I know that I understand this draft was still in in June. But at that point, we knew about Robert Woods. We knew about Matthew Stafford. We knew about all this. Why did we let Cooper Cup slip?
2: Well, I think the you know, the timing of the draft does does make a difference in terms of um, you know where players go. You can see players' values change dramatically. Um, I mean, Cooper Cup is someone who um, certainly a, a valuable fan, fantasy asset, but he does have some durability concerns. And I think with the change in quarterback to, to Stafford and with Robert Woods um, emerging quite a bit last year and Van Jefferson um, being someone who is likely to emerge and in the process of emerging, plus they signed Deshaun Jackson, um, they got Higby there, and you know Stafford loves to throw to the tight end. So I think a combination of those factors just led to Cooper Cup maybe slipping a bit. He didn't, he didn't slip, I don't think, as we got towards the main event. Um, I think it was more um, in the earlier drafts that I saw his, uh, his draft position be, you know, fourth, fifth round. I think he might've even gotten to the third when we got closer to the main events.
1: I, uh, yeah. And he definitely did. He was rising up boards too. And I, I and I pointed this out too, And, and you know, this is totally like what, bulky. Why don't you follow your own advice? But I said, you know, the, the, the biggest difference between woods and cup to me last year was the touchdown disparity, right? And Cup didn't have a whole lot. Woods had a ton. And now we're seeing that regress to the mean for both those players. And yet I have, you know, four or five Woods teams. I think I have one Cooper Cup team, really frustrating. Um, and I got to listen to myself more um, and, and to high stakes players like you. Um, another guy who got late in this draft, Mike, Damian Harris. Now he went in the ninth round. Again, this draft was June 3rd, um, but, you know, the, the major players were there. You know, James White, Ramondre Stevenson, I guess, was probably pushing Damian Harris a, a little bit further down. But one of the things we, we've we heard on this program, on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, from plenty of successful high-stakes owners, I don't trust Patriots running backs. I don't draft Patriots running backs. You made the decision to grab one here uh, in the ninth round. Was it just best player available? Like, okay, I'll, I'll see what happens with Harris. Or did you see something in him at the end of last season?
2: Uh well I think I think I definitely saw something in him as the potential to lead that backfield. Um <clears throat> I think yeah, I'm not sure the ninth round really qualifies me as a believer in Damian Harris, but I think at, at that point, you know, you're you're looking for a running back who's going to get as many touches as possible. And when you compare him to some of the other people who are being drafted around that time, including maybe some backups like, you know, Tony Pollard or Alexander Madison, things like that, um, you just tend to go for the starter. And, um, you know, I I think given the fact that the Patriots were going to be starting a rookie quarterback, I thought, thought certainly a potential that they might lean on the running game a little more, plus they have a pretty decent offensive line as
1: well. Yeah, and, and you know, there's obviously a lot to like there. Um, with and and I and I was proud too. Like even when and and Mike, I noticed this, you probably noticed this too in main events as we got closer and closer to the start of the season. But Damian Harris was ticking upward. Um, and and he was, you know, fifth, sixth round pick right when it was all said and done with. And I'm I'm very fortunate and very happy that I got him in a lot of those spots this year, um, because of you know what he's been able to do basically in all three downs, has been very successful catching the ball as well. A uh, former Patriot that you had selected is Tom Brady. Now, what's interesting about this pick? Oh, Tom Brady in the tenth round, whatever. You know that's great value. You're obviously loving life. However, in this draft, you already selected Patrick Mahomes in the fourth round. We don't typically see somebody draft a, a stud quarterback super early and then draft another one sort of in the mid rounds. You did that with Brady. Why did you uh, think that Brady was the right choice for this team when you already had Mahomes?
2: Well. Uh- I mean I would say that my my philosophy tends to diverge from most uh, high stakes players when it comes to quarterback. Um I I am more likely to draft um two quarterbacks than than many. Um and in another in another football guys draft I know we took um if Kyler Murray in 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 the 6th round and then we took uh, Justin Herbert in the 7th. So uh it's not unusual for me to take two quarterbacks. Um, the thinking on this was again it was an early draft and there's a lot of time between, you know, June and September and you know injuries happen and if an injury did happen to one of our stud quarterbacks, we would have another one you could just sort of plug right in rather than, you know, waiting to the, you know, 18th round and taking like a Mac Jones or, you know, somebody um, you know, Sam Darnold type, um, but so I, I am more more likely to to grab a quality quarterback, maybe a little earlier than most. Um, and had had read some articles that you know Brady was going to be just a monster this year and just couldn't pass him up in the tenth.
1: Well, what, what's interesting about that is when you when you talk about drafting early and in case um, one of these quarterbacks were to go down, you do still have a top 10 option on your roster. When you do the, the Mahomes Brady thing, you do the Murray Herbert thing. As you get closer to the start of the season, if you're drafting in early September or maybe even late August, Mike, do you find yourself drafting two quarterbacks less often or is it still about the same frequency for you?
2: Well, I would say uh, in the earlier drafts, Eric, I actually sometimes draft three quarterbacks, oh. um, which I, I know is very unusual um, as we get closer to the main event draft two. And I, I might I might let the, um you know, the quarterback um come a little bit later. You know, the backup quarterback come a little bit later, 13th, 14th round. My partner, Adam Rosman, loves to wait on quarterback more than I do. I'm more likely to want to grab um, an elite quarterback.
1: So okay, so let's um let's talk about the, this week. Um, J.D. McKissick is in your starting lineup for your ninth place team in the Football Guys Players Championship. Now I know you have some bye week issues there, but this could be a godsend because if Antonio Gibson does indeed miss the Green Bay game, which as you know we're recording this here on Wednesday morning, it's not looking great for him right now. If he does miss that game, how does Jarrett Patterson factor? Into McKissick's workload, does McKissick still remain a starter for you because of the pass catching capability that he brings to the table?
2: I think I think McKissick is a sneaky um, start, you know, regardless of of the health of Antonio Gibson. I mean he's he's had some some decent games. Um, he had some some great games last year. Uh, he has flex appeal. I mean, especially in a week where you have six teams on the bye, and you know, there's a lot of a lot of difficulty sometimes in fielding um a viable lineup when you have six teams and it's not just six teams on the buy it's six fantasy dominant teams for the most part well i guess not the jags but most of the teams on the buy this week are fantasy very fantasy relevant um so i i think mckissick has i I mean we've started him a few times even when gibson was completely healthy Um, so I, I don't, I don't have any problem with him. I think he has standalone value. You know, Patterson is a talented ad. I mean, if, if he is available on waivers, I'm, I'm sure people are going to try to go out and get him. My, my information on him is that he, he could very well be, um, an extremely talented player to, uh, you know, to take over for Gibson. But I still think even given that McKissick's going to get the third down. Uh, work and I think that you know McKissick may even get a few extra touches um you know if Gibson's out
1: yeah I gotta I gotta place my waivers yet and um I, Patterson's obviously available in a ton of leagues right now so I'm gonna definitely make sure I, I grab him just in case um you know because the other thing too is and, and I don't know if you've noticed this Mike but you know sometimes I look at my roster my lineup on Tuesday morning um or even Wednesday morning when I'm placing my bids you know just to make sure it's in tip-top shape and I I have guys that I can you know feel good about starting with injuries and COVID and bye weeks and everything but sometimes that team looks radically different on Saturday (laughs) night or even Sunday morning based on you know injury news that comes out and and it's always nice to have a little bit of buffer um, to have that other guy that I can plug in if 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 I can manage you often do that too um, where, where you're still paying quite a bit of attention to that second waiver run in the FFPC. I, I think the second
2: waiver run in the FFPC is one of the most overlooked um, you know, value add um, opportunities <clears throat> because it's not just a place where you can you know find somebody to use that day, but it's also a place where you can add someone for the next week who maybe was overlooked. And I think if, if people look at their their Sunday waivers, they're going to see a lot of the more experienced um, high-stakes players are making moves on, um, on Sunday morning.
1: I lose you yeah no I I, I just got back Um, the you said a lot of the more talented high stakes players do what
2: I said you know in my experience if you look at your Sunday waiver um, report um, you'll see that a lot of the the very um, experienced high stakes players are making moves on Sunday mornings not just for that day but also picking up players who might have been overlooked on Wednesday for the following weeks
1: Mike, are you still there?
2: Yeah, I'm here. Yep. It seems like it's on a delay or something.
1: Okay, sorry about that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if this is on my end or not. In any event, let's get back to the to the running back situation here. We touched on uh, Washington earlier. Let's talk about Cleveland. Dearness Johnson, Demetric Felton, looks like they're going to carry the mail for the Browns on Thursday night football against the Broncos with no Kareem Hunt, no Nick Chubb available. How did you handle, or how are you going to handle, I guess, because this is... Um, we're recording before the waiver deadline how are you gonna handle these guys in your leagues what are what are your thoughts on what these guys can do for you here in week seven with you know maybe Nick Chubb back in in week eight with the the sort of mini buy
2: yeah I'm I'm not a big um, you know waiver all-in guy for backup running backs um, that I see teams you know putting huge bins in for guys like Elijah Mitchell Devontae Booker um, just not something that that we typically do strategically and this situation is no different um we don't unless we're desperate we're not really going to be bidding much on on you know dearness johnson or or even the rookie felton i think um dearness johnson i remember picking him up last year and starting him and i think you know maybe he got like just a couple of points didn't seem as though he is going to be like a, a difference maker and probably someone on your bench could potentially be, be just as good. Obviously, if you're desperate, then you have to go out and try to get somebody who's going to play. Um, but just strategically, I, d- I don't typically go all in on waivers for you know running backs who are going to be only a one- or two-week play.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the smart play on it. Um, and I think that's what we will see, right, is, is the running back desperate teams desperately bidding on both of these players, quite frankly, as well as Jarrett Patterson to try to get somebody who can, who can get him some points this week. You know, it's a, you're, you're always trying to pile, even if it, if if the head to head matchup, isn't looking great, you're always trying to pile up the points because you never know when they could uh, come in handy. And if Dearness Johnson falls into the end zone a couple of times or the Felton rattles off five or six catches, that could be um, a difference maker with how close these FFPC main event and football guys leagues get to be at the end of the year um we already mentioned it. you mentioned it a couple of times six teams on bye this week I have uh struggled to try to be proactive a week earlier in my leagues um with the waiver wire I I think I got lucky this year I think I'm pretty well covered as it stands right now but how proactive Mike were you last week knowing that as you pointed out five of the six teams really big time fantasy offenses that that players were not going to have their services available to them this week. How proactive were you heading into Week Six in preparation for Week Seven? Well,
2: I think you should always be looking looking at your your upcoming weeks, maybe maybe a week or two ahead. Um, but really, that proactivity should start for you on draft day. Um, you know, building a deep roster and being cognizant of bye weeks. You know, starting on your draft day. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit. More speculative at that point, and and but I think this year with COVID kind of um, you know not having this significant an impact on the league and bye weeks actually happening when they are when when they're scheduled to happen, I think you can plan a little bit more. Um, but that's also like what I was talking about with the you know with the Sunday morning waivers. Um, take a look at the following week and see if there's anything you can do. Uh, but at the same time, try to be careful about about, you know, being too cute on the waiver wire. I can give you a couple of examples of um, just this past week where uh, Adam and I, uh, you know, picked up and started Jarek McKinnon and benched Kenyon Drake, who was on our bench. Um, and we also, hmm. you know, picked up and started DJ Dallas and benched Kenyon Drake, who was on our bench. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you you, know, you go out and get these these you know, guys off the waiver wire and you plug them in and start them. And there could be a guy on your bench who's going to put up 21.2 points and, you know, give you acid indigestion.
1: I, you know, it's, it's, and this is why, you know, the, the greats uh, out there win you know, all this money every single year, that that's what makes them so good is, you know, not only, Scouting what's out on the waiver wire, but self scouting your own rosters and self scouting what you have on your team, and and making sure, like, look, I'm I'm not being proactive for the sake of being proactive, right? Uh, this is actually a a good addition to my team, um, based on what I already have, and I think that's important to to understand um, what's already on your roster before you go crazy on the waiver wire. Some. Some people are better at that than others, um, and and I definitely know. You know who you are as you're listening to this um, when we talk about um, going crazy on the waiver wire. Some some teams win a lot of money doing it, um, but it's not always the case. Uh, Kadarius Tony, he might miss. In fact, he probably will miss week seven, but first five minutes of the game, um, and we found out he was going to be heavily involved in the game plan. He had three catches, Mike. Was on pace maybe for a double-digit uh, catch game. Knowing – Um, That he is a rookie and knowing that the Giants still believe quite a bit in him, that they were willing to make him part of a huge part of their week week six game plan. How do you look at his projection for his output the rest of the year? Because I'm not going to say league winner, but Tony could really be a difference maker here, man. I don't think there's any
2: question about it. And I, uh, you know, I'm sad to say that we completely missed on Kadarius, Tony. Um, I think. You know, in preseason, it seemed to me as though he was having, you know, possibly some character issues, um, and was in the doghouse, you know, for a certain period of time. And with a, you know, with a coach like Joe Judge, who's probably going to be pretty no nonsense coming from the Belichick tree, um, you know, we just sort of stayed away from him. But I'll tell you, having a chance to have um, seen him. You know, the week before this this past week and then in the few moments that he was in the game this week, I definitely agree. He definitely can be a difference maker and has tremendous amount of talent. And he's, you know, somebody who, you know, if you grabbed him off the waiver wire or late, uh, could really, really help you, especially as we head toward, you know, the the main competition.
1: Um. I'm trying to think, you know, just as, as we're talking about him here, how many teams I have Tony on. You know, and I saw him and Mike. I don't think do, do you play any dynasty leagues? I always forget if you play dynasty or not.
2: Yeah, yeah, we have we have a few dynasty leagues. Um I think we have Tony on one of them. Um but um but yeah, I mean uh, certainly a player a that bit, would be He a bit, didn't he? Be...
1: In in dynasty leagues?
2: I think he I think he did. Um but I think part of that was Uh, the the character issue thing uh it seemed as though he was um not acclimating to you know to the pros maybe as smoothly as everyone would have liked him to
1: um okay moving on here uh ffpc podcast i say it every week we are contractually obligated to talk tight ends here and i'm sneaking it in at the end dallas goddard (laughs) is the, the lone man standing in the in the Eagles tight end room for fantasy purposes. Zach Ertz now, the new lead tight end in Arizona after his trade um, that may have been um, provoked by the uh, Max Williams injury. Are they both going to be top 12 tight ends the rest of the way, or am I being too bullish on these guys?
2: Well, I think Godard is. I have him projected as my tight end eight rest of the way. Um so yeah, I, I, de- I definitely think this this move helps Dallas Godard quite a bit. Um, you know, the, the the Eagles have struggled to develop um, reliable uh, targets. Um, Devonta Smith hasn't exactly been letting it on fire. Jalen Rager is struggling. Um, you know, I, I think Godard is going to be a red zone target and <clears throat> potentially a you know a, a volume target for for. Um, Jalen Hurts. Um, I like I like Zacherts a lot. I don't have him projected as top 12. I have him at um, tight end 16 rest of the way. Um, and some of that I'm factoring in a risk of assimilating into a new offense. And um, that offense, aside from Max Williams, hadn't really used the tight end a ton. Um, and I mean, I do think they'll certainly use Zacherts. I'm just not sure it's going to be top 12. Uh, plus, I love you know Rondell Moore, um, and I think he's a great talent there, and he's going to get a bunch of targets. So um, I would say Zach Ertz is certainly someone you should roster, but I I don't I don't think that he's going to be top twelve from my perspective.
1: Um, yeah, and, and I'm excited too because you know I drafted Ertz as a backup tight end in, in several of my leagues, and now it looks like he'll be in contention to start in a lot of these leagues too, which is always good going forward. You know, knock on wood, as long as he remains healthy and, and Dallas Goddard gets off the COVID list and everything like that, it should be hunky-dory with these guys. I I, I like them to put up really good numbers like you do. Well, so, um, tight end's been uh, a real challenge. Position tight room that been... I don't expect to Oh, but I
2: think I lost you
1: again. No, no, you're still there. It has been a challenge, and, and that's the thing. It's like when you – you know, if you don't get, if you didn't draft like a top three, four, three, let's say top four tight end, you're, you're probably not feeling great about your tight end performance week to week. But with this addition of Ertz to Arizona and the subtraction of Ertz to Philadelphia, I think these are two guys that would make you feel a little bit better, uh, much better about your tight end situation now.
2: Absolutely, and anything that can make the tight end situation better. Um, is welcome news because it's, it's just been, been horrifying.
1: Um, all right, so th- th- what what else has been horrifying is trying to figure out the Ravens running backs um, on a week-to-week basis. Le'Veon Bell gets lifted off the practice squad. He plays last week against the Chargers. Tyson Williams, once again, a healthy scratch. Devontae Freeman um, is, is apparently leading the backfield right now, but you also have Latavius Murray getting a lot of snaps there too. I don't know what to make of this. Um, is the is the easy answer to this question, Mike? Only if you're desperate do you start one of these guys, or or are you more of a believer in one of these three than the or one of the four, I guess, uh, than uh, than the other three?
2: Well, I think you know Lat Murray. It looks to me to have sustained a, a high ankle sprain in the in in last week's game, so I think that is probably going to put him out at least for a couple of weeks. So that may clarify things a little bit more um it's a shame because the you know the ravens running game is so strong um you know but they did also just lose an offensive lineman as well so um there's certainly i'm always looking to start someone there but it's been difficult to find someone to start a lot of shares of tyson williams for us um but hasn't haven't had the confidence in starting him i think out of all of them, the one I would lean to most for this upcoming week would be Devonta Freeman, who I thought looked pretty good, um, you know, on Sunday. And, you know, with lat going out, I think you're right that he probably will will lead that that backfield. Um, you know, Lev Bell maybe sprinkled in a little bit, and then Tyson, of course, I, I mean, I think if they gave him the chance that, um, you know, that he could do something. Um, but, you know, I, I would say f- there's nobody you can really, you know, just throw them in and say this is the guy. I think it's it. There's going to be a little bit of luck involved in whoever you uh, you you put in there.
1: Yeah, and and it goes back to the Browns conversation, right? With with Johnson and Felton, it's like, you know, are these the guys you're you're willing to to trot out there when you're trying to win a high stakes league? No, but you know, necessity is the mother of invention, right? So maybe this is this is what you have to roll with this week with such and it's you know, it may not just be you. I mean, there's be a ton of people with bad bye week injury COVID situations too. So I, I think that um that we could see some low scores this week. Maybe you end out eking out a win based on your start and sit decisions. And and that's the final question I have for you, Mike. Is an early round pick that that you think a lot of people will be starting this week that Maybe they shouldn't be um, be, because of a poor matchup or because of um, a downward trend in uh, fantasy production. And then a sleeper that you think a lot of people conversely will have on their benches that should be started this week for you in week seven.
2: So, yeah, so I I looked at this and I, I, you know, for for benching, I decided to go with the two Tylers. Um, I think Tyler Lockett and Tyler Boyd are both um, big concerns for me. Tyler Lockett until you know Russell Wilson gets back, and Tyler Boyd just doesn't seem to be uh, you know garnering a, a big target share there. Uh, Jamar Chase has been doing so well, and you know T. Higgins is there, um, and Boyd seems to have been the lost uh, you know the lost player there. Um, so those would be the two guys who I have concerns about. You know this week, you certainly may not have a choice but to start them, and they certainly could you know produce, but. Um, Lockett has been, you know, pretty, you know, pretty absent, um, since Russell Wilson was hurt. And I'm not sure that that's going to change this, you know, this week against the Saints. Um, and you know, Tyler Boyd, I think he has a potential maybe to, to have a good game in any given week, but I don't know if he's someone that people can rely on, um, the way they, they could have maybe a few weeks ago. Um, and then my sleepers for the week. Um, uh, I have two guys who, who I think... Um, I love Rondale Moore. I, I think Rondale Moore is just waiting to break out. Um, and I mentioned him when we were talking about Zach Ertz. I would say he's someone who I am starting with confidence this week. And then I think Ricky Seals-Jones, because we talk- you know, always like to give a tight end. Um, <laughs> Ricky Sales jones playing every snap, and he's... He's putting up some some decent numbers, and if you're mm-hmm. you know, some someone who has picked up off the waiver wire for sure, and if you if you were smart enough to pick him up, or you can get him, I would get him and, and start him.
1: I uh, I got him in a couple leagues last week. Um... For you know, because I, I can't remember who my tight end issue was, I had somebody on buy. Oh, Kyle Pitts. I had Kyle Pitts on buy, and I ended up getting Seals Jones, and I was I was pretty happy. Obviously, with with you know, like you said, it's all about feel. You know, feeling more comfortable at tight end. Seals Jones, I think, is is better than a lot of options out there right now. There aren't too many better options to talk high stakes fantasy football than Mike Foresta, who is ninth, ninth place in the Football Guys Players Championship. Mike, appreciate you joining me this week. I uh, I wish you good luck in Week Seven with this uh, with these six teams on by. It's going to be fun and maddening <laughs> as fantasy football usually is on a week to week basis. Thank you so much, my friend.
2: Absolutely, Eric. Yeah, best to you and uh, you know stay healthy and happy out there.